Look at my butt. Show number 289 of Look at His Butt. LT and JK Talk Trek. Hey, listeners. Here we are. We're back. We're back. Uh, there was a pause there because some of us got our second vaccination and... <laughs> And it was really hard. Uh, not that I regret having it in any way, shape, or form, but we, yeah, we were going to podcast last weekend, and then I was down for the count after yep. Vax number two. Well, that's uh, you know what happens. It's what happens. So I'm very glad I'm I'm now fully vaccinated, and so is Kitty. So we are good. We we are we are, are ready ready to go. And as you can imagine, I am already starting to think about our next trip yes even if it may be a year or more away yes this has just made me think okay i believe we will survive this i think we will and there's something we're going to talk about uh that we might be going to so yes yes um so the first thing we wanted to do was just to recap some of the trek news because first contact day was like a month ago right and there was so much news they did they were holding it back and they just dumped it all totally totally so let us just go through this very quickly and we'll put Mm -hmm. the links in so you guys can read more about it and I'm, i'm sure you've all heard these things but um just in no particular order, the first thing was that there was a new trailer for the Star Trek Picard series, mm-hmm. and the big reveal is that Q is going to return, which didn't really surprise me, but was me really neither. cool to hear anyway. <laughs> Um, he, they, they did a really good trailer. I thought it was very, very clever the way that they, it was just some voiceover, and then they focused in on the Queen of Hearts card, Queen of Hearts, very mm-hmm. good. And then finally it was revealed that it was going to be Q. Uh, and then John Delancey says, the trial never ends, tying it all back to oh, the very God. first episode. So really, the, what we have seen of the trial was Act 1. Uh-huh. And so now we've had, what, a 15-year intermission or so? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh. Um, well, I, I think it will be good. I'm looking forward to it. I'm glad that he's coming back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd seen a couple of interviews with him where people were asking, you know, what's Q going to look like? You know, you guys are all older now. And he's like, <laughs> well, Q, Q is immortal. I am not. <laughs> and, and yeah. Like, okay, fair enough. <laughs> and he was just saying that he thinks it will be part of the uh, character development for Q as much as he develops as a as a character but there's going to be something in that they're not just going to let it go without commenting on it they'll just build it right into the story which is good I think well good. I can think of several things one could be his repeated contact with humans has caused him to age mm-hmm. or he's purposely presenting that appearance to be for John Luke to be comfortable with him I think that's probably gonna be what happens yeah Mm -hmm. i agree so yeah so hey q's coming back and then um you know just what was it last week when i was in my post-vax delirium Mm -hmm. um, i was scrolling through twitter and michael dorn tweeted that uh he said uh just got the call into action and everybody was like oh he's gonna be in something so it seems like he is going to do something but he did not say what it was Mm. so he'll be showing up in picard or or whatever i don't know who knows what he's gonna do but that was cool well um one of the little things that i happened to pick up on and this came out a couple of days after first contact day was um they are filming seasons two to two and three back to back 
Oh, And I believe Q is going to be in both of them. Oh. And something John Delancey said, and if I'm misinterpreting this, everybody just mind wipe it from your memory. But I thought, you know, how we'd gotten used to, to Q being fun. And mm-hmm. I think he's not going to be the, the fun, jolly Q. But if you remember, the very first time he appeared in the premiere episode, he was just this stern, mean bastard of a judge. That was Mm -hmm. not who he showed us later. So Mm -hmm. could go anywhere. He he could be, yes, he could be absolutely anything with any kind of character as Mm -hmm. long as he is still Q. So it will be very, very interesting to see what that turns out to be like. Yep. Yeah, so good. Well, that's number one. Um, Number two, which made me so happy, is that Lower Decks is coming back in August. Yes. Oh, I was afraid we were going to have to wait till next year. But no, we're getting it in August. I'm so happy. Well, I keep seeing headlines. I'm getting really fed up, but I keep seeing, you know, like little blurb headlines that say things like, Discovery release date, blah, 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 blah. And then you read through the whole stupid article, and they're saying, we think maybe, you know, 2022 and I got so mad at one of them and I can't remember what website it was but the headline was so misleading the first paragraph was so badly written that my comment which I posted on their page was you so desperately need a copy editor call me you know it was like I can't I can't read this anymore oh it's true well I'll I'll say this um here's the headline on treknews.net Star Trek's Lower Deck Season 2 to premiere in August. Good. That's right. Okay, That's correct. Okay. It, and and it's, it's accurate. You read the article and they were actually saying, yes, August, not just rumored to be August. Nope. It's okay. actually happening. In All August. right. That was good. Uh, the trailer for it is hilarious. Really, really good. Uh, I was delighted to see that... Um, well, first of all, they, they confirmed what they'd been saying all along, which is that there's going to be two parallel story paths. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be the people on the Cerritos, and then there's going to be the people on Riker's ship that I can't remember what it's called. Um, so that's going to be neat to see how they interact. And mm-hmm. I liked seeing Boimler freaking out, you know, his, <laughs> his, his first big assignment. He already can't handle it, and he's yep. screaming because everything's going wrong. You know, lately I've been thinking about Boimler time a lot. <laughs> uh-huh. So good. So very good. The the uh, thumbnail from the trailer is Mariner dressed in that um, ridiculous outfit that uh, Riker was wearing in TNG when he had to fight his dad with the <gasps> big Q-tips. Yeah, and yeah. I was just like, oh, this is amazing. What a great callback. This is going to be good. Yes. Be oh, really, good. Because really that, that is my favorite of the new things going on, you know, yes. is, is lower decks. So that's going to be good. And and Frakes was really funny. I, you know, I hopefully they'll use him sparingly. And I think mm-hmm. they will, because they're very sophisticated comedy people. But in his little bit that they showed in the trailer, he's just gone over the edge. I mean, he's like a crazy person in charge of this starship now. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, like, just imagine Riker, but exponentially louder and weirder and funnier. And just, it's going to be good. I just think it's going to be good. Okay. Well, we love the first season. So yes. So happy. Okay. That sounds good. Um, the next thing is about Star Trek Prodigy, which is the other animated series. And I haven't really been following this one because I'm getting the impression that this one is more targeted towards kids. Am I it right is. on that? Yeah, that is correct. It's more targeted at kids, but not 
little kids. Okay. It, it's more, uh, I think, sort of preteens, but I will watch it because I love that sort of stuff. Um, <laughs> the big reveal was that um, the character of Janeway, so they've been really touting this, like, she's going to be back, Kate Mulgrew's going to be back, and Janeway's going to be back. So it's not her as a character, it's hollow Janeway, which uh-huh. is actually really, really smart. So they're able to animate her looking like she did during the series of Voyager, and it's not going to be her you know, running around on adventures, she's going to be functioning more like the EMS or mm-hmm. some of the other hollow characters. And, and that seems like a really smart choice. So she can go without fear of her, you know, getting into dangerous situations or, you know, putting Janeway in danger, which was what I was hoping they were not going to do. Mm. So, um, yeah, she's a training hologram on the series and gets to, um, you know, teach these kids about Starfleet. So oh. I think that's good. Yeah. yeah. When you said, you know, she's going to be a hologram, I about to ask well what were will her her holograms role be i think training's a good idea yeah so it takes place in the delta quadrant mm-hmm. it's set in the year 2383 which is five years after the last episode of voyager so i don't know how they're going to explain like what happened to actual janeway but there's going to be hollow janeway to do this wow and Mulgrew's and it's doing good. the voice she is, yeah. yeah and yeah. the hologram, like the, the animated drawing of the hologram looks really good. They they actually did a, a Janeway as Janeway. It doesn't look like somebody else. It looks like Kate Mulgrew. Oh, by the way, I have to say, um, I've started a new category of pictures of Starfleet captains that don't look like Starfleet captains. <laughs> so we're, we're stretching beyond Kirk, not Kirk. Now we're into Pike, not Pike, because oh, no. I've I've seen some things recently, actual licensed stuff that looks nothing like Anson mm. Mount. It's like some other guy with the same hair. Ridiculous. Get it right. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, boy. Well, very, while very we're on the, the quick subject of being annoyed, <laughs> one of yes. the uh, Trek websites that I read regularly and I can't think which one it is because there's too many of them but I believe they have recently let's say within the past three weeks hired someone who is a really big fan of Enterprise because there are at least three articles (laughs) every week about uh, why Enterprise was not as bad as everybody said (laughs) and how they could have done this, they could have done that, and wouldn't uh-huh. it be cool if Archer came back and was on, uh-huh. uh, you know, all of this. So, just so everybody knows, if you're a big Enterprise fan, start start looking around. Just, you know, Google Enterprise, <laughs> what's <laughs> happening with it or something. It'll come up. I think it's hilarious that anytime anybody talks about Enterprise, it's always that. It wasn't as bad as people thought it was. <laughs> well, I read what I thought was a very funny comment that somebody made. They said, um, you know, I didn't watch enough Enterprise to know what was going on. And they said, you know, Captain Archer, he's supposed to be this together guy and who's, you know, commanding the ship and everything. And it's kind of hard to imagine an actual Star Trek captain doing as many stupid things as he did. But... <laughs> It's very easy to imagine the guy from Quantum Leap doing that. So really, this is just a Quantum Leap (laughs) into Star Trek. That is so incredibly true. All right, um, that's my canon now. Yeah, you're right. Okay, good. (laughs) Totally right. Oh, man. But yeah, that should be, that's like the tagline for Enterprise. Not as bad as you thought it was. (laughs) (laughs) Well, part of it is, what's his name? 
uh, the actor who played Archer. I'm uh, Scott Bakula. Scott Bakula. He's a good actor. He is. But yes. he's good at playing these sort of doofus guys. Yeah. Yeah. Even better than you know, I'm the captain. So that 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 does make totally sense. Totally yeah, sense. yeah, yeah. He, he he was he was great in Quantum Leap. He mm-hmm. was really 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 good in Quantum Leap. He he and uh, oh, Dean. Uh, uh, Dean. Blanking on his name. We all know who we're talking about. Yes. Yes. I mean, it was them and the interplay between them that really made that show. You know, the writing was good and everything, but they as characters and as actors really, really brought, they brought it home. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Moving on. Um, the next thing you already mentioned this, but uh, Discovery season four. So there is a trailer for that that you can watch. They do not have a release date for it. Uh, maybe the end of this year. Who knows? Or maybe right. next year. They're not really sure. I, I just read that uh, filming was shut down because there was a COVID exposure. Right. So yep. yeah, they had to stop everything. Uh, sure, that was a big pain in the butt. Mm-hmm. But um, there's a trailer and the, the okay. In the last episode of Discovery, the the finale for season three, they were wearing their new uniforms, which were sort of longer tunicky sorts of things. Mm-hmm. But I think we were both like, eh, why are they so boring? Like the yeah. colors were not good. Yeah. So now in the trailer for season four, everybody's in Starfleet colors again. The design of the, the costume is the same. It's like a long sleeve jackety thing over mm-hmm. pants. But Burnham's wearing red and Navigation's wearing gold and the science is wearing blue. So hmm. why did they bother to do that in that last episode if they were just going to go back to Starfleet colors at the next season. I don't get it. No. They hired new people. <laughs> and the customer said, I'm not coming coming aboard if they're wearing that crappy gray all the exactly. time. Forget you it. Know, I was yes, they yeah. got a new costume designer and they were like, Listen, this isn't gonna work. We need to we need to spice it up. So now, I don't uh, know if we talked about this, um, and it's probably going back three months or more. Did you see the commercial for Paramount Plus where there's a whole bunch of different paramount people climbing a mountain oh yes i did those were cute they, they were, were. Cute. and what i got a huge kick out of course pike was there but so yes. was spock yes. and spock had to stop to resuscitate a teddy bear <laughs> <laughs> they had ethan peck doing a lot of very silly stuff and oh. he seemed to be thoroughly enjoying it yes yes i agree Oh, so so there we go. So uh, Burnham in charge, captain of the, the ship of the Discovery, going to mm-hmm. be going on season four. Yay! So that's really good. And then um, I don't have an article about this, but of course, Strange New Worlds is filming. And um, it's, we don't know when it's going to be, probably sometime next year. But mm-hmm. uh, extremely excited about that. They released that very short uh trailer where they had each of the characters repeating lines from the intro saying space the final frontier and Mm -hmm. then they were all commenting on it later going oh my god it's so exciting i can't believe i'm actually making this show so (laughs) ah so good um you skipped one on your list yes i was just coming to that so okay all right this so okay we we've been talking about uh, we meaning me and you have yes. been talking about like are we going to keep going to cons what are we going to do you know we'd love to go to Ticonderoga one day if if we can make it work but mm-hmm. it's in Ticonderoga <laughs> um, so we've both gotten I think rather burned out on the creation cons because they're the same and they're you know, there's not that many people there that we want to see anymore. It's kind right. of samey same, and they're, and they're just jam-packed. They are, yeah. yeah. 
So here's the thing. There's a new company that's doing a thing called Star Trek colon Mission Chicago. Right. And that's announced for April of 2022, kicking off the annual traveling convention. All right. So it's a company called Read Pop, and they're being uh, officially supported by Viacom. And they are launching their traveling conventions um, with the first one in Chicago next April. So this came at the end of the first contact day celebrations. It's going to be a three-day convention. We will have guests, vendors, exhibits, cosplay, and all the other elements that make these conventions a great celebration for the Star Trek world. And it's going to be at the McCormick Place Convention Center. And you know exactly where that is, That's right? Yeah, it's... Um... Probably not even a mile down Michigan Avenue from me. Okay. The only guest that they've announced is Will Wheaton. Okay. But obviously there's going to be lots more. Uh, No ticket information, so it doesn't say how much it's going to be. And it says right here, CBS dropped their two-decade relationship with Creation Entertainment and their annual Star Trek Las Vegas convention. I was just reading something about, yes, it was going to be in Vegas this summer. So there is going to be something in Vegas, but maybe it's not Creation Con that's doing it. I don't know. Well, maybe they got the word that, okay, Creation Con, as you just said, has become same old, same old. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, just like let's turn it over to somebody new. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's so it's this company called Read Pop, and they've done other conventions. Um, they've done PAX, which is a big gaming convention, and C2E2, which is another one. And I am all for it, except that when we were conversing about this on Facebook, one of my friends chimed in and said, hey, I went to a Read Pop convention and it sucked. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, she I was, was going to say there was something about their reputation yeah. or whatever. Yeah, she was saying it was just disorganized and kind of expensive. And she was really disappointed because she was hoping, like we were, that, you know, having somebody else do the convention would be better. So I am... Um, guarded about Mm -hmm. this one we'll have to see but if it is in a year and it's in chicago maybe we can do that one and i can come and we can go and and, you know have a good time that would be great especially if it's like walking distance from your place well and there's a a million buses that go down michigan avenue too if we get tired you know take the bus back and there are a number of good restaurants down there Excellent. If they all reopen. (laughs) Yeah, really. So, you know, a whole year from now, we have time Mm -hmm. to plan for this. And it would just be cool because we wouldn't have to get a hotel or fly somewhere. You know, it's right there. It would be good. So we'll keep on top of that. And I've been checking to see if they've announced any other guests. And they haven't so far. But um, when they do, we will let you guys know. So if you are planning on going to this convention, let us know. And maybe we can do a little meetup or something. Well, yeah, some of our Midwestern fans, you know, that would be really cool. It would be. It would be very cool. So that's the only one I'm looking at the website now. That's the only one that they've announced so far. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this thing says, yeah, it's going to be a traveling thing, but they haven't announced any other dates or places or anything. See, I'm picturing so. like the circus parade with all the, <laughs> you know, the, the things where all the booths are packed in uh-huh, and they do uh-huh. a parade through town with um, elephants, but they're like decorated. So they're like a big version of that dog mm-hmm, in, um, mm-hmm. who gets split in two. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe, I mean, who knows at this point, there is very little information to go <laughs> and on. And we can run away and join the Star Trek Circus. Oh, the Star Trek <laughs> Circus. That would be so awesome. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh man. So, uh, in all in all, there's just a hell of a lot of Star Trek stuff happening, and I, for one, am extremely glad about it. It's very oh, yeah. cool. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, a good time for fans of stuff. I have to say, you know, I'm, I'm a big Marvel fan, and I've watched the last two series on uh, HBO, which were great, and HBO? No, Disney, that's it. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's more stuff yet to come. So, you know, I, I've been reading lately... Uh, people on Twitter who feel the need to criticize what other people like. Yes. And I don't get that. And honestly, you know, if you're a fan of Star Trek and you find great enjoyment in them or you like Marvel movies and you find enjoyment or you like, you know, Batman versus Superman, mm-hmm. whatever, just enjoy it. Like, why yeah. do people have to criticize the thing that you like if it's the thing that makes you happy in these very trying times? Like, let's all just like what we like if it makes us happy. Yes. I have a, a friend whose name is Richard, and he's a, a playwright, and I've known him for years and years, and he's he's multi-talented, and he's really funny. But when we were first getting to know each other, I said something about, you know, I'd like to go to Minneapolis sometime and see something at the Guthrie. And he said, oh, the Guthrie. <laughs> and then he told me that, you know, whenever you say you like something, you are opening yourself up for somebody to go, oh, that's the kind of thing you like. <laughs> It's exactly what what we what we see on the web, you know. It is. It really is. So I'm just I'm done with people criticizing things that you like, especially when it's stuff that's meant to be entertainment. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, look, Star Trek, Marvel movies, DC movies, it's all meant to entertain you. And if you find some deeper meaning in it, that's cool too. But it's not like it's homework. It, it's not like it's meant to like ethically improve you or something it's it's entertainment just yeah yeah or Mm. things people are doing that you know are good things and that i may not necessarily agree with the method they're using i've decided i'm just gonna shut up and let them you know unless it's something i i I believe to be harmful like eating drinking bleach but i'm just you know gonna let them go along and and have their their little party i mean Mm -hmm. They're not there to please me. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I have so, to keep I, reminding myself of that every day. <laughs> yeah, it is It is true. So, And, of course, we've talked about this with the, the split between Star Wars and Star Trek. But mm-hmm. even within Trek, you know, everybody has the things that they like, and it's fine. And I cannot believe that there is still so much vitriol. Um, for for discovery for lower decks, I was reading something the other day, and there were and people were spewing. It's like, oh, lower decks, so awful. These people are stupid, and they yeah. don't know. They're not real Trek fans, and oh, it's degrading. And it's like, shut up. It's a funny yeah. show. Don't watch it if you don't like it. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Nobody's forcing you. You know, sitting down and putting those sticks to hold your eyes open like they did in um, <laughs> Clockwork Orange. Clockwork Orange. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, and. it's very stupid, but I am excited about all the Trek that's coming, and yes, Lower Decks in August, that's going to be so good, so good. Okay, uh, I think that covered all of the newsy stuff. Did you want to talk about anything else now, or um, should we take a break? I can't right now see my... Oh, we could take our break. We could take a break, yeah. Um, But my things we... aren't going to take long. Okay, well, let's tell you what, let's take our break, okay. and then we can come back, because we still have, like, many things to talk about, certainly. Okay. okay. All right. Thank you. 
space, a final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission, to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Listeners, we would love to hear from you. Send us email at lookathisbutt at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook and leave us a comment. Tell us your Trek news. We're back. We are back. And I just have a couple little uh, tidbits to share. And one is that uh, the other night I turned on the TV and an episode I really enjoy was on, which is Bread and Circuses. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Kirk in that, you know, cut off sweatshirt deal oh, yeah. and, and the whole thing. Well, I noticed something I believe I've noticed many times before, but I've never mentioned it to anyone. And that is, remember the scene where um, Spock and McCoy are having to fight a couple of gladiators on TV, and um, Claudius, whatever his name is, the head guy, Mm -hmm. um, when it it all ends, are they going to kill Spock and McCoy, or what? Mm -hmm. And so he's like, well, what do you think, Captain Kirk? And, you know, Kirk, you know, blah, 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 blah. And so uh, Claudius gets pissed off mm-hmm. and uh and he says oh take them back to their cages or their jail cells and then he tells the two guys who are guarding kirk to take him to his quarters okay mm-hmm. so claudius stomps off and kirk and the two guys come forward and go down like two steps and then kirk pauses not quite looking into the camera, but they go in for the close-up, like, okay, signal, end of segment. And the mm-hmm. one guard yanks him out of the frame. Oh. I loved oh. it! And Kirk just looks like so fucking pissed off! Oh, man. I'm supposed I to bet... stand here and look Kirkish. I know. I bet Bill wasn't happy about that. And the director was like, perfect. That's it. We're not doing I, another take. I thought that was... It's, well, you know, that whole episode is a comment on television. Yeah, oh, yeah. And to yeah. throw in something like that that's really little, but very funny. <laughs> oh, that's great. I'm going to... I don't remember that. I'm definitely going to have to watch that oh, the next yeah. time. And I thought, this guy playing the guard is probably like the father or the uncle or whatever of the little kid that Kirk pretty much throws across the room. (laughs) (laughs) And this is his revenge. Right. Excuse me, sir. Excuse me, star of the show. Let me yank you out of frame. (laughs) Yes, you do have to watch for it, you know, because it'll go by quick, but it is the end of a segment. (laughs) Oh, that is so awesome. I can't believe I never, like, conscious, I'm sure I noticed it, but Mm -hmm. I didn't think about it like that okay thank you very much for alerting me and everyone else to that because that is good yes i thought that was worth bringing up yeah now the other one is remember we talked about a few weeks ago uh bill's making this ai Mm -hmm. where you can go and ask it questions and maybe i have a complete misunderstanding (laughs) of what the goal is with 
with artificial intelligence. But to me, it seems to me that an AI, a good one, Mm -hmm. would be able to pass the Turing test. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this does not sound like that. It sounds like, you know, they've come up with these questions, they've asked them a bill, and he's being filmed in various ways, you know, answering those questions. Mm -hmm. But I do not believe you could go there and ask him other things. They probably filmed him saying, I'm not programmed to respond in this manner or something. But you couldn't have like a real conversation with him, right? I think that that's right. It's very hard to tell what it's going to be like because you can't really rely on Bill's description of it mm-hmm. because who knows what he thinks it is. Yeah. I mean, that, that it could be very, very different in real life than what he thinks he's actually doing. So yeah, your description is what he said in whatever interview he was talking about it, where mm-hmm. they recorded him answering a bunch of questions and then you could go up to it. And they did specify that they were going to have it at cons mm-hmm. while he's still alive. I mean, this is not meant to be a post-mortem thing, mm-hmm. but soon they're going to have it at cons where you can talk to his avatar or whatever. But it's very unclear whether it will come up with novel responses or whether it's just a bunch of pre-programmed phrases, which would be very disappointing if it was. Well, and the other thing is Bill said he was doing this for his kids, his grandkids, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking if he's doing it for the family, that's one type of question. Mm -hmm. If he's doing it for it to go to the cons and address stupid fan questions or even good fan questions, Mm -hmm. that's an entirely different thing. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, I, I don't know. I think we are just going to have to wait. I to guess see what it is because again, you can't take his word for anything. He doesn't <laughs> understand technology, and I haven't seen good, clear explanations from the makers, the AI people. Because I think I went and I looked at their website after oh, he was talking okay. about it, and it it wasn't it wasn't clear there either. Who knows? Maybe they're they don't know. You know, they're just like putting it together and seeing what comes out at the other end when it's done. That is also very possible. Yep, that's true. And I probably was just thinking about it too much, but I was thinking about, you know, like the the AI in the movie that is called Ex Machina, Mm -hmm. which is outstanding. Mm -hmm. She totally is what I think of as a good AI. Yeah. You know, her responses are... In somehow, you know, I'm thinking in the future, if we have one, we'll be like this, that her responses are like completely spontaneous, like a human being. And it's not necessarily necessarily that she's been uh, programmed to respond in this way. It's that she just does it just like a human mm-hmm. being. Yeah, yeah. That's the goal of the AI is mm-hmm. to make it as human-like as possible. Right. I don't know. Uh, I haven't seen anything about that recently since he was talking about it. That was, gosh, like four or five months ago. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, he was announcing it. So we'll just wait and see. But um, oh, I wonder if they'll have it at the thing in Chicago in a year. Ooh. That would be that would see that would be a reason to go. Oh, if they were yeah. actually going to have it just to be able to talk to it and see. I wonder if they'll let you record the audio. Well, I would do it anyway, even if they didn't let you do it. But um, that would be that would be very interesting. I would love to record that interaction and then share it on the show. That would yes, be good. yes. Yeah. 
and then get arrested. No, uh, it would be fine. They yeah. Wouldn't... <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Uh, if any, and if anybody knows more about it than we do, could you let us know? Because oh, that yeah. would be good. Yeah. Clue us good. in. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now that brings us to Star Trek novelizations. Yeah. And this article was in Den of Geek, and it says, which Star Trek books <laughs> are canon? As if we do not have enough arguments <laughs> about which series, which uh-huh, episodes, uh-huh, which, uh-huh. you know, everything. And, we, you know, mostly we each have our own version mm-hmm. of canon and things we want to ignore because we didn't like them or they don't fit in with what we want to mentally explore. Mm-hmm. But so... This is, is it. I love this the headline. Star Trek books have been around for almost as long as the first TV series, but do any of them, quote, count? And I think that is a legitimate question. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're, the earliest ones, I believe, you know, they, they were tie-ins, were the James Blish novelizations, yes. uh-huh. which were novelizations of episodes. But then they, somebody came up with Spock Must Die, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden we're in this, hey, you can make up other stuff. Mm-hmm. Because, they, because Paramount, or whoever it was at the time, said you can, right? Mm-hmm. Like they, yes. they weren't just letting people go off willy-nilly. Um, I, I have those novelizations, those early ones. I have Spock Must Die, and I remember reading it, and the assessment of it in this article is quite good. Oh, Okay. Uh, yeah, this is very it's funny. It's been so it's long article. since I read Spock Must Die that I, I do not remember it, so I'll take your uh, word. It says, so it was also written by James Blish, who did mm-hmm. all the novelizations of the episodes. It says, Blish also wrote the first original Star Trek novel titled Spock Must Die. This refers to a transporter duplicate of Spock who is created on accident, <gasps> during oh, by accident, <laughs> during a long-range beaming gambit at the beginning of the novel. The no- this novel slaps, even if it does open with a long conversation about the metaphysics of beaming in, which nearly no in which nearly nobody sounds like they're in character. And I have a very strong memory of that, where it's Kirk and McCoy mostly just talking about like the metaphysics of what happens to your soul when you're beaming, and it's uh-huh. like get on with it. It just goes on for pages and pages. <laughs> Um, it, it, but it is good. It's a mm-hmm. good plot and it has a good resolution. So, um, yes, I definitely remember that. And then what's not mentioned in this article, of course, as we've talked about many times, is the extremely slashy stuff that was inserted into the early Star Trek novels, um, you know, that Paramount or, or whoever, Viacom, just was not cottoning onto at the time. Right. And Still then there's the, the, the Marshak and Culbreth novels. Yes. Yes. Which um, will be the last thing I sell. Because <laughs> <laughs> every now and then I just need to read them. <laughs> They're good. And you just, you don't get fanfic like that anymore, I'll tell you that. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, and then the um, mentioning that the novelization of the motion picture, the first movie, mm-hmm. was done, written by, I'm putting that in quotes, just the way Bill writes his books, Um Gene Roddenberry and mm-hmm. there's stuff in there that's like what are you talking about like this is not part of the Star Trek universe he yeah. was just kind of making stuff up so is that even canon I don't know that it is I'm well, not sure I I do think that you know 
experts could could go through and make a list of this is canon, this mm-hmm. is not. This is semi canonical, canonical, <laughs> and this is canon only to that person in the corner. But mm-hmm. um, there is one book. <laughs> Other than the Marshak and Culbreth, which are not canon but are just fun, that mm-hmm. um, I really kind of treasure because I have it in both English and French, mm. <laughs> and it's called uh, First Enterprise or First Adventure, mm-hmm. and it is Kirk has just come aboard the Enterprise as the captain, and uh, it has, in my opinion the best version of what Kirk and Spock's first meeting was like and what each one of them thought of the other. And there oh. is no slashy underscoring to it. It's, it's mm-hmm. just very, very true to character, I think. And um, so here he is. He's on the Enterprise. He's captain of the Enterprise. And Scotty's thinking he's green as grass. You know, they're not all in love with him. So, you know, it's got that going, which I think is very realistic. But the other thing is their very first assignment on the Enterprise is they are the transportation for, lack of a better term, a space circus. <laughs> that is going around to entertain people in space. And, of course, there's a beautiful woman who has a, I believe it's a horse that flies. And then, you know, at that point, the, the novel just goes into flying horse and, and everything. And so that's not so big to me. But, you know, the first, I don't know, maybe quarter or so, I think is worth reading just because, well, it's like Kirk, not Kirk in writing. Mm-hmm. So many of the people who think they're writing Kirk are actually writing, you know, Kirk, not Kirk, or Kirk Drift, as, as we've talked about before. Yeah. This one gets so many things spot on. So that's the one that, that I would take into my canon because mm-hmm. it feels so true. And... As far as I can recall of the book, it does not violate any of the actual mm. canon that comes along with the TV show. Yeah, yeah, interesting. You know, now that I'm thinking about it, um, I read one or two of the books that Bill wrote, uh, you know, post... Uh, Star Trek s- s- 7. <laughs> uh, yes, Generations, yes. thank you. Yeah. <laughs> what, what is the energy ribbon thing called? Oh my God, I can't believe the, I can't um, remember this. Nexus. The Nexus. Thank you. Jeez. Oh, come <laughs> on, brain. Let's go. Um, so, yeah, post-Nexus uh, novels that mm-hmm. he wrote. And I don't think they sound very much like Kirk. And it's really weird that it's Bill writing Kirk and it doesn't really sound like Kirk. And maybe that's because the Reeve Stevens were writing it. But I, I expected more from the way he, he would write that character. And it just for me, it's just not there. And it felt very much like reading... Um, one of his terrible tech war novels. Mm-hmm. You know, it's sort of that level of character development. It's just, I don't know, it's just not very good, very disappointing. Well, I agree with you. It does not sound like Kirk, and I read a few of them too. And um, I think it has nothing to do with the Reese Stevens. It's, it's a thing being written by Bill. And as I've said before, <laughs> as we got further along in the movies, mm-hmm. we were seeing a lot more Bill and less Kirk. Yeah. And by the time we get to Star Trek V, it's very, there's not a lot of Kirk to be found there. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the one with the whales, because that is the official title, um, 
as much as I love that and enjoy it, there are a lot of not Kirk, but definitely Bill things in it. <laughs> so, you know, you're going to let him write it. And like one of the things I remember from it, from one of those books, was he was trying to clear land and he was trying to do it by hand with a, an axe and, and everything because he didn't think you should use phaser equipment or anything. I'm going, Kirk is not a Luddite. No, no, Kirk he's not. Kirk would be right in there, zip, 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 you know, doing that. And, of course, by the end of the, the book, he's learned his lesson. But I was going, that is, that is not Kirkish. No, no, it totally isn't. I, I can see how a writer, or Bill, um, <laughs> would pick up on it, you know, given the little nods to the past, like with the glasses and the books. Mm-hmm. You know, sort of like, he likes old things, but he, as you say, he's not a Luddite. I mean, he's a goddamn starship captain. He's not a Luddite. Right. He's not suddenly going to decide that he's going to go out there and plant corn by hand in Iowa. Yeah. 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 That That's not it. So, mm, yeah, kind of disappointing. This is actually an excellent lead in to the next thing we wanted to talk about. Okay. Which is Star Trek Six. Yes. The Undiscovered Country. Yeah. This article, it's been uh, sitting in in my list now for like a month because we haven't gotten to it, but it is worth a discussion. It's Mm -hmm. worth a read because I have never seen anybody analyze that movie in this particular way. Mm -hmm. And it is Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, rejected franchise nostalgia in a way impossible today. Mm -hmm. And I went... What are they talking about, you know? And they just really get into it um, and pointing out, you know, like the theme of it is sort of a theme when when Kirk says, how can history get past me? How can, mm-hmm. how on earth can history get past me? But um, I remember many fans being very upset at this movie because our heroes come off mm. as racist in yeah. the way they view the Klingons, the way they act towards them when they, you know, have them to dinner. Mm-hmm. And my own personal opinion uh, might be is if that dinner had happened 10 years earlier, they would have been uh, on, on much better behavior. They would have held back mm-hmm. on that. But because the Klingons killed Kirk's son... Yeah. He probably did not pass the word, it's okay to, you know, shit on the Klingons. But... You know, subtle hints would, you know, dog whistles. Of you course, know, make yeah, people yeah. Uh, go. Yeah, we don't. We don't have to be nice to them. Yeah, yeah. It, it's funny what you were just saying about there being sort of less Kirk and more Bill in the movies. Mm-hmm. I would actually say that in this one movie, this is what I could imagine Kirk becoming after all the experiences that he had as an old guy who is totally out of step with what's happening and being confronted by something that that actually affected him personally for once like mm-hmm. really actually affected him personally and i think that this this is what kirk could be like i i see that as what his character could have grown into mm-hmm. and yet you know with the wisdom of saying yep my way is not the right way and yeah how can history get past me how can how can how can this go on with people like me still in charge because i'm obviously not the right person to be making these decisions which is a huge thing for him to admit because right. he's the goddamn captain well and i would uh give credit to uh the fact that this story was more or less uh nimoy's idea mm-hmm, to deal mm-hmm. with the cold 
war ending and the Berlin Wall going down, and then mm-hmm. Nicholas Meyer coming back on board, yeah, who I think course. understands those characters better than the actors sometimes. Yes, I think you're right. Yes, I but, agree. But, you know, when Kirk, I think he's talking to McCoy, and he says, do you fear the future? Mm-hmm. And that's like, for Kirk to, to come up against that wall and actually put that in words, mm-hmm. in a way, it's a very Kirk thing, because it would take great courage. Yeah, and we, yeah. but we don't want to think that Kirk would fear the future or have to question that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's a very human thing to do. Yeah, I I think it's very telling that that scene where he and Spock are arguing about what to do about the Klingons, mm-hmm. and Spock says they're dying, and Kirk says let them die. That that actually you know as horrible as that is i think that's right i think that's what kirk would say mm-hmm. but i also think it's significant that he only says it to spock he would never say that to other people out right loud. right like he'd think it but he wouldn't say it but mm-hmm. with spock the one person now that he feels he can be transparent with and unhonest with he he would say it he would actually say it, the most awful thing out loud yeah he would speak what just first thing out of That came out of his mind, out of his mouth. He doesn't hold back. I remember, too, because I saw this on, like, the first day it opened, the gasp in the Mm -hmm. theater. It was, okay, we're not in Kansas anymore, you know? Yep. Yep. So it, it's it's an amazing movie, and that's why it's it's like my second favorite after Wrath of Khan, really, because of that. I love them addressing all of those issues the way it's changing, as you were saying, that you're seeing the change. Mm-hmm. It's not a change that happened off screen, and now everybody's reacting to it. It's like, here it is. This is the change that's happening in front of our faces right now. Right, yeah. And then good old Christopher Plummer shows up. <laughs> oh, man. You know, there's so much good in this movie. There really, really is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I can, you know, if it wasn't for the Valeris stuff, yeah, I think I would rank it even higher than it is. It's too bad that they had to put that in there and that, you know, they had to make Spock forcibly mind meld with her, which is just horrible. Like, I can't even watch that. It's just awful. I know. I know. It's, and it, it, again, being in the theater, um, you know, when Spock goes up to her and puts his hands on her and he's trying to, somebody, some jerk, some guy yelled out, do her, Spock. And it's like, oh, God, take him out of the theater and, and throw him against the wall several times. Yeah. Ugh. It's just not good. I mean, credit to the actors for making it very believable. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's too good, right? They're right. It does make us com- uncomfortable. Yeah. Extremely uncomfortable. Ugh. Wow, what a good article. Um, and I like, as, as you were saying, the second part of the headline is you couldn't do that today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I agree. The um, writer says, three decades later, it's impossible to imagine a major franchise demonstrating this level of introspection without provoking a fandom civil war. Undiscovered Country provides a contrast with films like The Rise of Skywalker in that Undiscovered Country is about an older generation learning that they need to step aside Mm -hmm. and make room for those that will follow, while Rise of Skywalker is about how the older generation is never too old to take a joyride Mm -hmm. in the Millennium Falcon. Right. Um, And also a critique of shows like Picard, where the little old man is still at the center of stuff and Mm -hmm. still lecturing people about the right way to do things. You know, fair yep. criticism. That's what that show is. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I I think he's absolutely right. You you could not do that because one of the things that is one of the joys of writing fanfic and exploring ideas in your own head is even though characters are technically not allowed to ever change, right? Mm-hmm. We can draw lines between those things. And mm-hmm. and we don't we don't see it as okay, there's this episode where his brother dies, that happened, move on. You know, that can be something that can come up again later. Mm-hmm. And losing his son the way he does. Mm-hmm. You know, and the wonderful thing about um uh the one with the male whales and that whole series, you know, the the, the two, three, four series, is it it is about getting old. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I don't know who it was. Uh, somebody I know, I think, said to them, the first movie that um, Wrath of Khan screams, Kirk is turning 50. <laughs> and, you know, I always think of what Bill said. And he, he doesn't even remember this. He says, I'm told that when I turned 40, I stayed in bed for three days. <laughs> so, um, you know, it addresses it. And here... You know, brush aside five, I think, you know, he was trying to be Adventure Kirk, you know. Mm -hmm. But now we get into six, and we're seeing what two, three, four Mm -hmm. eventually led to. Yeah, yeah, it was a setup for that. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's just, it's wonderful to see these characters that we grew up with and have grown old with addressing some of the things, you know, maybe we don't have to worry about Klingons dying or whatever, but... You know, addressing becoming out of date, not not being yeah. useful in the way you're used to being useful. Yeah. Thinking about Picard, you know, I totally get that everybody wants to get the band back together. And, <laughs> yes. and you know, and, uh-huh. it, and it's fun and, and that's all good. I, I really wish that Picard had been less central to the stuff that was happening in his own series, you know, I know it's named after him and mm-hmm. Patrick Stewart is the main character, but it would have been nice to have other people doing the problem solving um, for once and for not having him lecturing people on the right way to do things. Like, you can shut up now. Yeah. I've been watching a lot of TNG recently. <laughs> uh-huh. and, oh, man. You know, they just have him talking to people all the time. Oh, and it's, it's just, it goes on and on and on. And I love Patrick Stewart, but man, they really laid it on thick with Picard in lecture mode, telling people the right way to do things. Mm-hmm. Um, I am much more amused by watching TNG and watching Jonathan Frakes because he continues to be a delight with being tall and swinging <laughs> his legs around and, and giving. A, he is, I swear. I don't know how they let him get away with this, but there's a lot of scenes in which he's doing very subtle acting that almost steals the scene, but you have to be looking at him to mm. see him doing it, where he's doing a reaction uh-huh. that is just out of line with what he should be doing in that scene, where his eyes are just a little bit too big, or his, he tilts his head a little bit too far, and you're like, you are making fun of this man, I can tell. Yeah. Um, anyway, as I talked about at the time, I felt like the conclusion of Picard and the death of Data was so much more affecting because he's gone. Like, he's really gone and I knew he wasn't going to be coming back and it was that feeling of, yeah, getting older and not being useful and letting other people do things and that was so perfect. It was so touching and wonderful and such a wonderful send-off to that character. It, It felt a little bit like the way 
six was a send off to all those other characters. Like this mm-hmm. is it. We're just we're going to do it now. We're going to put this character down. Yep. Yep. And that's another reason why we simply do not need the Kirk story in generations. Oh, yes. I please. mean, if you can understand the the suits thinking of we've got to actually mm-hmm. have this handoff, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but we didn't need it. We certainly did not need that crapo death scene. No, yeah. it was it was bad, bad bad idea, badly executed. Mm-hmm. Bill got to ride a horse. Wee, that was Yay. good. Yeah, and the horse got good. his SAG card. So, <laughs> <laughs> and and Bill got to show off. Yes, by you know when he gets the horse to sort of like walk sideways so he can be closer to Patrick Stewart. I'm yes, sure he was insanely proud of doing. Oh, that. I'm like, sure he was this. so happy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Well, listen, folks, we're going to wrap this up in a minute because we've been mm-hmm. talking for a while. But one more thing that we, we did want to mention, which is, you know, we've talked in the past about our life in fandom. And back when we first started doing this show, we actually did a number of interviews with some of our fan mm-hmm. friends that, that we hung out with physically, but also online a lot of the time and who wrote some amazing fanfic over the years. And you know, we're all getting a little bit older now, and uh, I was very upset to learn that one of our fandom friends actually passed away recently. Yeah. Um, so if you guys are into fanfic at all, you might know her as Carmen Gia, and she wrote a lot of uh, Garrick Bashir stuff, but also other things too. Uh, lots of TNG stuff, and she was part of our mm-hmm. Monkey Lover collective, which was hilarious and one of the best things we ever did. Yes, um, and she and was very re- much a, a Chekhov fan. Yes, very I much think, a Chekhov fan. But the, the one story I ever wrote that was sort of Chekhov-centered was written for her, you know? Yeah. Yep. And uh, in real life, her name was Ginger Mayerson, and we were good friends and hung out a lot, and we used to go to Comic-Con together. And I was totally shocked that she had passed away because we'd just been in touch and she didn't say anything about being ill. Um, And one of the other things she did on the side was run a small press called the Wapshot Press, where she published some of her own work, but a lot of other stuff by very talented people, completely independent, like no support at all, Mm -hmm. just relying on some grants and some funding from people. And that was an awesome thing. Um, So I just wanted to say that I am I'm very upset and I miss her very much and it feels hard to lose part of our fandom right I know we've been out of touch with a lot of those people but it still kind of felt like it was there Mm -hmm. and to actually lose the people yeah just suddenly like that too is super hard one of our other fandom friends Britta passed away some years ago but she had had a lot of health problems over the years and that was not a surprise I like I think she was surprised that she lived as long as she did Uh, but it, it's hard, man. It's really, really yeah. hard. But, you know, thinking about it, you're saying it's hard to, to lose our friends like that. Um, probably within the last six months, maybe a little more, Out of the Wildcat got in touch with me. Yeah. And she's been listening to our shows and we yeah. chat and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And it's just, I'm glad of it, you know, because yeah. uh, she and I, you know, as long as we were writing fanfic, we just had long, long epic emails, you know, talking mm-hmm. about characters and stories. And... Yep. Yeah, fandom's good, and fandom makes us friends. So mm-hmm. I, I will 
Yeah. Always remember one of the best things that Ginger ever said to me when, because she was extremely supportive of other people writing, mm -hmm. like to the point of bullying people into writing stuff <laughs> when they didn't want to, which was what was needed in a lot of cases. <laughs> yep. It's like, you, you got to do it because you said you're going to, now you need to do it. But when, when we would be corresponding about something and I'd say like, oh, I'm starting on a new story. And she would just say, that's great. I love when you write. <laughs> and I just thought that was such a wonderful thing to say. Like, not that when I love when you write Star Trek, but just I love when you write. Yep. And yep. That was great. Just a little like pre pat on the back or an acknowledgement yeah. of what you've written in the past, you know. Yeah. So, yep. Really good. So I just wanted to pay a little tribute and her stuff is still out there. You can find it. She doesn't have a website or didn't have a website for her writing, but it's, it's there in the archives. There's an Ask em archive somewhere. And um, if you look up Carmen Gia and track, you'll find stuff. And she wrote um, some original fic that was like, tangential mm -hmm. to track that was really good and the only place I can find it is the internet archive so I'd like to try to put that up on archive of our own so people can read it yeah it was really it was very good good yeah, I liked it the tall jet collection mm -hmm. uh, so that that was the big news for me over the last couple of days and I, it made me of course you know feel so thankful that that you and I are still friends after all this time and still continuing in our silly podcast yeah you know still got all our, our people who listen and send us mail and and enjoy the trek with us yes it is so valuable. yes and I still remember one of our very first email correspondences um I was trying to get somebody, anybody to go to Friscon or Bascon, whatever mm. it was called. And you and I had just been like, hi, you know, mm. and uh, you said, well, I've gone to one and I would go to another, but nobody will ever talk to me. And I said, I will talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, yep. that's pretty much how it started. We found each other at this con and, yeah. yep. and talked each other's ears off. We did. I have a very strong memory of, it might have been that one or a subsequent one, where all of us in our little Ascom group were in a hotel room somewhere and we were laughing and drinking and eating and we all went around and we read parts mm -hmm. of stories and then we took turns reading bedtime stories to people, you know, yep. sort of like nice, calm stories and... I think we got yelled at by the hotel multiple times for making too much noise because we were just laughing so hard. Well, that's and the same one where when we went back to our room, you and I got a phone call at like 3 a.m. Please shut up. People are trying to sleep because yeah. we were just laughing so hard. Yeah. But that was a later one because that was the one where a whole ton of Askham people agreed to go to this, to meet up in person. Mm, that's right, yeah. And the other yeah. one was an earlier one where, yeah, there were no asking people other than you and me, as far as I know. Yeah, I yeah. think that's right. And I will always remember <laughs> when we were sitting in a room and we were watching an episode of Star Trek on a videotape machine. Yep. And it was, <gasps> look at his butt! <laughs> <laughs> that's right! That's right! That's where it came from. Mm -hmm. It was at Bacon or Friscon or whatever, Wonderful. and it was in a horrible hotel conference room that was set up with a video player, and yep. we were all watching an epi a crappy episode of Star Trek mm -hmm. on a videotape, and look at his yep. butt. That's where it came from. I can't remember, but that might have also been the one where I had to watch Secrets of a Married Man three times <laughs> in one day, because every time 
a new couple of people would come in. It was like, oh, you got to see this. And blah, blah, you know, put it in. <laughs> oh, those were the days. They really were. <laughs> we need to write a book. We do. We could write a book about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us, fellow Trek fans. Uh, Thank you all for continuing to listen to our our show and for sending us stuff and for participating in the Facebook group, which is a fun place to hang out. And um, we'll get around to doing another watch along one of these days. Oh, I did want to mention that uh, if you go to YouTube uh-huh. and you start looking for Shatner, uh, one of our friends, Ruby Pearl, has posted a bunch of old Shatner stuff. Oh, and she has such an amazing collection. Yes, I mean, she's yeah. been, I think she started collecting his stuff before Star Trek. Yeah, I, I think honestly right. think she did. Yeah. So, um, so like in the past couple of three months or something, she's posted a bunch of really, really old Shatner stuff like pr- very much pre-Star Trek, mm-hmm. pre-Defenders, pre-Alexander the Great stuff when he did TV bits mm-hmm. and there was uh, him on the Ed Sullivan show when he did a scene <gasps> yes! from the world of Susie Wong. So yes. like that old. Uh, so yeah, go, if you're a big fan of that kind of stuff, go check it out. Um, yeah, that, it's that up- Sullivan thing, that is amazing. Yeah. It's great to watch. Yeah, so um, stuff like that, you know, people put it up and then sometimes it gets taken down. So you might want to go check it out sooner rather than later. When you can, yes, indeed. When you can, yeah. Okay. So, uh, all right. Until next time, everybody, keep watching Star Trek, keep loving it and enjoying it. And we will be back in a couple of weeks with another show. And so until then, as always, live live long long and potluck. potluck.